As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For I, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. morning. Um, first of all, I just want to uh, welcome you, not only you who are in the room, but those who are online as well. Uh, sadly, we've got a couple of families who are out with COVID uh, right now. So if you would be uh, just praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ here at this church, for the city, uh, for the state, for our nation, for the world uh, in that way. Uh, we want you to know that as uh, we do see little blips here and there and everything, we want you to feel free to uh, follow your conscience as it relates to uh, masks and health and things like that and everything. We still are uh, providing stuff online for those who need to step out uh, to quarantine and everything else. Uh, so just wanted to take a brief moment and kind of acknowledge that as a church. I really have just been so humbled by the way that this congregation has not really been split over some of these issues. We've been really loving and gracious towards one another, and I find that really uh, humbling and uh, really gratifying, honestly, to be a part of a body like that. Uh, I do, uh, I want to start by telling a story, and it might be a story that you've heard before, actually. It's uh, something that, if you've been around, uh, I, I probably told this story in front of you before, because it is by far uh, the thing that uh, I was most embarrassed of, the, my most public humiliation ever. And it happened in college. It was the first day of class, I think probably my junior year. I had uh, walked into class uh, a little late. I was working all morning. Uh, I had been out in the sun, so I had one of those gigantic, like, 120-ounce drinks that I came in with. Uh, and the only space really available in this huge auditorium was on the very back row, which was my speed anyway. So I was glad to be on the back row. Got there put it on the, uh, on the desk in front of me and everything, reached down to pull out my laptop, and as I was putting it up on the thing, I nudged uh, my drink. And when I did that, I did that thing that cats do where they're like playing with something and it like goes this way, not in. And uh, I hit it and it started to go airborne and I caught it at just the right time to send all like 120 ounces of this drink onto the neck of the person like right in front of me. And this wasn't like one of those like, uh, oh, like, like small symposium classes. This was like hundreds of people in this gigantic auditorium. And when the guy has this like cold cola from Sonic like running down his back, you just hear in this like auditorium this, ah! And everybody stops and looks back, not at that guy, but at the guy holding the drink who has just seemingly poured it on the back of the person in front of me. Now, here, here's the thing. That is like uh, the precise moment that I knew that I was going to be switching classes because I wasn't going to like, and even the fact that I like didn't know a single person in that class, still don't have any idea whether or not anybody in that class would have known me. Uh, I still like break into a cold sweat when I think about that because all of us to some degree have like a DVR in our minds of those moments that are like, that were like really, really embarrassing, really humiliating. And uh, I let 
uh, the fear of man in that moment pushed me to change classes. Like, I wasn't going to step back into that class. I did not, I left that class immediately after that, apologized to the guy in the restroom who was, like, trying to figure out what he was going to do with his shirt, and I never stepped back foot into that class. I think I went directly to and signed up for another class immediately. It was not something that I was going to do. I was afraid of man in that moment. And I know that, um, I know that all of us have these kinds of things where we're just afraid of what people think about us. We're afraid of how we're perceived. We have all of these emotions that go into the way that people look at us in every single day of our life. I see much of my adult life still kind of sadly arranged by my expectations of other ex- others' expectations of me. Like I spend a lot of time thinking about what other people think about me, fearing uh, failure of them. Uh, these are things that I think for, for most of us, we kind of struggle with. We know that there are things that we have uh, expectations of one another. And so I spend a great deal of time, I've confessed this before, uh, afraid of my wife's expectations of me. Like I, I will delay in an unreasonable way, like sharing news or parts of my schedule that I know that she's going to be slightly disappointed of because I'm afraid of my own wife. I think that most spouses can relate in some way to uh, just having this like small sense of not wanting to fail another person. I I have these expectations of myself uh, for my kids and my kids have expectations of me and I feel like all the time I'm just kind of like failing at those things and feel in some ways like hindered by even fear of my own children and their expectations of me and failing those expectations. We uh, have uh, fear of man in our families. A lot of us are carrying wounds that are decades old from just wanting the approval of our moms and our dads. And they still reach across decades of time and still navigate the affections of our hearts. We do the same thing with friends. There, were, uh, there have been plenty of times where just like I, I sent a text too early and it said something not quite the right way. And I was just like, man, my friend is just, he's going to hate me. Uh, th- this person, this coworker, uh, received that communication from me in a way that, like, I didn't want them to. I didn't know that they could take it that way and just uh, ruminate on it uh, over the course of, like, 48 hours, even after receiving forgiveness for something. Just can go hours, like, thinking about things. Pick it up, like, years later and just wonder, I wonder what those people were thinking about me. <clears throat> we have these expectations in our church like, how, how are they going to perceive me not coming to discipleship group? What are people going to think if I don't make it to two or three gatherings in a row? Like, how are people going to perceive me? I, I have this thing where I'll go to uh, uh, little collectives with other pastors, and it's like, man, that person's got, you know, these kinds of fun programs going on at their church, and we've been through a hard season. I wonder how they, like, perceive me as a pastor. And we just get ruled by fear of man. And paradoxically, for at least me, I have this sense of like complete, undeserved overconfidence in myself and yet a petrifying fear of man. And it's a weird mix. It gets tangled up in the heart in really, truly confusing ways. But here in this passage, Paul kind of anticipates that there might be some fear of man. And what he's going to do for us today is is really tell the Galatians to confront fear of man as a matter 
of the human heart's longing for approval. If I could say it just kind of in one sentence, what we're going to discover today is that approval seeking and approval receiving is all about the one who you are pleasing. Uh, uh, Approval seeking and approval receiving is all about the one you are trying to please. And we're going to discover that by taking a look, like a deep dive on man's approval. We're going to talk about gospel approval. And then we're going to talk about a life pursuing pleasure. So that's kind of the roadmap for us today. But what I want to do real fast is kind of bring us up to speed with where we are in Galatians. We're a couple of weeks into this Galatians series. And what we've learned so far is is that there uh, is this group of Galatian churches that Paul went through the southern region of Galatia and planted all of these little churches. And they had begun falling away from the faith. In fact, Paul gets really specific here. We even heard it in uh, verse 9 that we read this morning that Paul is writing back to these churches in Galatia who are quickly deserting quickly deserting the grace of Christ. That's what he says. And then there are these troublers who have come in who are distorting the gospel. They're trying to mix things up. So Paul pronounces a curse on them in verse 9, saying, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you have received, let him be accursed. Let him be accursed. So let's start this morning by exploring the approval of man, man's approval. Verse 10, look at it with me. For am I now seeking the approval of man? We're going to stop and just camp on that question real fast. Why is Paul asking this question? Why is he asking, am I now seeking the approval of man? I think that there are a few reasons. First, Paul is creating space to point out that the troublers that have kind of come in through these churches with a contrary gospel is a gospel that is man-centered. And so what he's doing, even just in asking the question, am I seeking the approval of man? It's just creating an environment to say, hey, listen, these troublers that are coming into your churches that are preaching a gospel that is contrary are preaching to you a gospel with man at the center of it. Not God, man at the center of it. Rather than being a gospel of grace, that's what Paul says. It says that it's a gospel of grace, like the one that he first brought to them, that he first preached to them. This contrary gospel has extra laws for you to follow. Now, we're going to get uh, into this in uh, the next few weeks. We're going to learn what it is, this heresy that they've attached to the gospel. But, But suffice it to say that there are people that are coming in using elements of the law that had been created, and then they were importing those into this gospel of grace that Paul had come and preached. So that's all that we need to know for right now. But rather than it being a gospel of grace... These had extra laws for man to follow. These false teachers had come in from the outside and were leading the Galatians to follow their teaching. So where does uh, the approval of man come into this? Well, second, these false teachers must have seemed credible because the Galatians were, we found out, quickly deserting the grace that they had received. They, they were quickly, they were all too quick to go after these new elements of the gospel. The gospel of grace had had these new laws, these new rules attached to it, and it seems like the Galatians were eager 
to gain the approval of these teachers, and they did so by following them. They were literally willing to mutilate their bodies in order to demonstrate fealty to this new gospel. Again, we're going to talk about what that was here in a few weeks. We'll give you just a little bit of a heads up just for the kids in the room and everything. But these people were literally willing to mutilate their bodies in order to gain the approval of these teachers. They must have been pretty effective teachers, pretty convincing teachers, or at least the element that they were trying to bring into the gospel must have had something that resonated with them because they were quickly willing to leave grace and follow man's gospel because, why? They had a fear of man. They were willing to seek the approval of man. So Paul corrects everything and says, for am I now seeking the approval of man? Let's keep reading in verse 10. It says, or am I trying to please man? Am I trying to please him? So he actually connects here at some point, this idea of seeking the approval of man with pleasing man. So there's something going on here where approval getting and pleasing behavior is going together. And what we're going to find is, is that if you really want to know whose approval you're trying to attract, pay attention to whom you're trying to please. Why? Because gospel approval and gospel receiving is all about who you are pleasing It's because with false gospels, if you're trying to get approval through them and receive approval through them, you're going to have somebody other than God that you're trying to please. Am I trying to please man? I wonder which false gospels we today seek approval of man through. You see, this wasn't just something that was going on in the hearts of the Galatians. It wasn't just something that was happening way back then. What I want to ask you this morning is not to consider what the Galatian churches were going through, but seeing this pattern of approval and pleasing behavior and going, man, I feel like I spend an inordinate amount of my time trying to please man. I wonder what false gospels you're believing that are asking you to seek the approval of man by trying to please man. Man, it it could be a variety of different things. It could be technical knowledge. It could be a really good thing. You could be like this uh, really good computer scientist, and in your office, you're trying to build up the capital in your office so that everybody knows you as a resource because you are one of the people that they can come to to answer some of those questions. And so all you're really doing is trying to believe a gospel where you're at the center of it, where you're pleasing other people by being able to give them the knowledge. And rather than receiving approval from God, you're seeking the approval of man by pleasing him. I I wonder if uh, you're trying to make your family just look really tidy and tight. You come into your house, whether everything has its little place and whether your children are, you know, curated and just, you know, picture perfect. I wonder if Instagram has become the uh, way that you're trying to put that out there to people. I wonder if there is like a false gospel just going on in this really good thing that God instituted called family. But I wonder if it's become a false gospel for you. I, I know that Uh, For me, there are a million different ways throughout the day that I'm considering, man, when I said that, that person kind of, they glance at me a little weird. I wonder if they think that I'm weird. 
By the way, I'm totally weird. It's okay to be a little weird. But, but a lot of times it goes like, not just like surface level, it goes like deep into my heart. And so even like, I'm, I tend to be way overconfident. It's one of these things that I'm just plagued with. It's like my wife makes fun of me because like we need to get a job done and I'll go rent a tractor that I've never operated before. And she's like, what are you doing? Like I pull up to our house with a bobcat and she's like, you've never operated one of these things. I'm like, watch me. I've got like tons of confidence, and yet just a little, a little side comment can like stick with me for days. I wonder what false gospel it is that I'm believing in my heart. I wonder what false gospel centered on man we are trying to believe as a church. I want you to talk about that in your discipleship group this week. If you'll be dutiful just to remember that, man, there are these false gospels. I wonder if you can do some difficult work. Just spend 15 minutes in a quiet time wondering, what is it that I am trying to get approval of man through? Go confess it to your discipleship group. Don't want to do it? Hey, maybe you got a false gospel that you're trying to, I don't know. Think about it. What is it that we are trying to seek our approval through? I know that many of us find that we are still fighting for the approval of people that aren't even in our lives anymore. There, there are like uh, wounds that come uh, from, I mean, as deep as like elementary school and middle school and high school where we've just desperately longed for the approval of our parents. And still even now in our 30s and 40s, it's like hard to get away from it. It's like you don't even like going home because it's like, man, my dad just has sharp words for me. My mom has expectations of what my family looks like. And the truth is, is that all of us at some point have these things that are man-centered. I wonder how many of us are like really miserable unless we've like appeased our spouse, unless they're happy. It's like we're believing this gospel that I can be approved of as long as I do everything to like please my spouse. I wonder in reverse whether or not there are some spouses in this room that have created a really toxic environment for their spouse because they use all of this emotional warfare and this weighty language to try to get their spouse to do the things that they want them to do. And so it's just like this tussle, this fight, this daily grind between like one spouse that's being pretty domineering with their emotions and maybe even physically, and there's another one that's being dominated. And they just can't live out in such a way that allows for them to really feel like they're approved of by their spouse. Man, there are some like really heavy false gospels out there. There are some really uh, heavy things that we can be trying to seek approval from man. And here, Paul is not interested. He's not interested in the recognition. He asked the question straight up front, am I seeking the approval of man? Who am I trying to please? He's actually taking the very first words of this book, this letter that he wrote to people that he loves, and he's rebuking them. Like, that's the first thing he's doing, is rebuking them. And it'd be really hard to take a look at a man whose first words are like re loving rebuke of a people and go, man, he's just trying to get, uh, he's trying to get their approval. He's trying to get their effect. Here's what's really funny. I think that, like, if you look at Scripture, 
especially in the New Testament, you can't come away from it thinking that like good, loving, faithful, spirit-filled, loving rebuke is not a part of the church. But I wonder when the last time that you saw like somebody in the church rebuke another believer. And I wonder how you reacted to it whenever it did happen. Hey, that has no place. In, no, I mean, the New Testament is pretty clear. Rebuke, good, godly, loving, faithful rebuke has a place in the church. But here's my hypothesis. My hypothesis is you don't see it because we're all trying to please man more than we're trying to please God. We're all more concerned with like how other people view us than godliness in another person. So we're not even willing to do what Paul is doing right here in front of us. He's rebuking them. So, so when was the last time that you were kind of uh, secure enough in your relationship with God to not fear man? When was the last time that you felt so wrapped up in God's love that you didn't really care, honestly, what other people thought of you? Maybe that's never been a part of your experience. Maybe you've never really been able just to hold on to the embrace of a loving father and not worry about what other people are thinking about you. What I want to do today is try to give us all some of the context where that can be our reality. That can be your reality. That can be my reality. I want for us to talk not just about man's approval. I want for us to talk about gospel approval because Paul is not trying to please man. Verse 11 says this, the gospel preached by me is not man's gospel. So it had to have been some other kind of gospel. What kind of gospel was it? It was a gospel of gospel approval. Look with me. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. That's what he says in verse 10. If I were still trying to please man, if I were still out there trying to get approval from man, if I was still out there trying to get some kind of a claim for myself, you know the, the last thing that I would do is be a servant of Jesus Christ. Man, that is a really profound statement. First, what, what I think that Paul's trying to tell us is, is that if you want to please man, if you want everybody to be happy with you, if you want approval from men, do not bother following Jesus. Don't do it. That is a really deep thing for him to say. Why? Because Paul says that he's a servant of Jesus. If I wanted to be served by or serve man, man, I wouldn't bother being a servant of Jesus. Matthew 6, Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. The truth, as Paul is saying it, as Jesus has said it to us, is, hey, we can't seek the approval of man and also seek kingdom approval, seek gospel approval. You can't do it. You can't serve two people. Lots of us are like really desperately tired in our souls because we're trying to please two masters. And Jesus has already been really clear. You can't do it. You cannot do it. And if anybody's going to know, Jesus is going to know whether or not you can serve two masters. And, and, and apart from that, if anybody like underneath Jesus is going to know, Paul's going to know. And he's saying here, you cannot do it. Don't even try to do it. For you will either hate one 
and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. What we need to do is have an understanding of gospel approval because second, Paul seems confident. He seems assured. He seems approved of already. He knows why he's a servant. Uh, You need to get this. If you're going to get gospel approval, you need to know that where Paul is coming from is a a place of complete confidence, complete assurance, and complete uh, approval already. He's already a servant of Jesus. Verse 12, I did not receive it. What's it? The gospel from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it. What we need to understand is that gospel approval is not something that you're taught. It's something that you receive, but I received it through a revelation, a revelation of whom? Don't don't listen to me. Read it. I received it by a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul is confident. He is assured He is approved of already in Jesus Christ who revealed to him a gospel of gospel approval. Is that kind of confidence going to make sense to men? I mean, have you ever met somebody that has this kind of like gospel confidence, this kind of gospel approval, and you see them in front of people and somebody gives them like a huge compliment and it just seems like they don't even care? They say, oh, that's very nice. Thank you. Uh, thank you for that compliment. But you're almost just like, man, you know, give me that compliment. I'll, I'll give it straight back to you. But they already seem like so confident. Or have you ever met anybody who, when they are reviled, when they are discredited, when they are lied about, when they are hated, when they are hurt, they still have like approval and confidence that you're just like, what is that guy on? I need some confidence like that. It's not even something that seems like it's that kind of like icky, like cultural confidence, that thing that comes out of like self-help books, that cheap kind of confidence. It's that confidence that can only come from something not of this world. Have you ever met a person like that? I think what Paul is saying is that he has and that he received a good word, good news, a good gospel of approval. He received it, and it's his. I think that that is what Paul is saying. Where does this kind of confidence come from? Don't you want this kind of confidence? City Church, don't you want this kind of confidence? Doesn't everybody want the kind of confidence that is heavenly, that is not of this world, that does not depend on what other people think of them? I wonder if you do. I'm going to read um, a passage, an unlikely passage for us out of the book of Ezekiel. And what we're going to discover here is that there is acceptance that is coming for those people that are, and it's coming from a very specific place. Listen up. For on my holy mountain, the mountain height of Israel, declares the Lord God, there all the house of Israel, all of them, shall serve me in the land. There I will accept them. And there I will require your contribution and choices of gifts with all your sacrificed or sacred offerings. As a pleasing aroma, I will accept you. He says it 
a second time when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you have been scattered. You see, they were in exile and God saying, I'm going to bring you back together. I'm going to accept you. And you and I will manifest my holiness among you in the sight of the nations. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I bring you into the land of Israel, the country that I swore to give your fathers. And there you shall remember your ways and all your deeds with which you have defiled yourselves. And you shall loathe yourselves for all the evils that you have committed. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I deal with you for my name's sake. Now, now listen, it's a strange place to go. It's strange to go all the way back to Ezekiel. Why am I doing this? Why am I talking about acceptance out of Ezekiel? Here's what we need to understand. We need to understand that buried in these verses, God says twice, I will accept you. I will accept you. When will he accept you? When I manifest my holiness among you, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. There's a progression here, that our acceptance, our approval comes when God manifests his holiness in the sight of nations, and then you will have assurance of your approval. Is this ringing any bells for us? Is this uh, teaching us something about the gospel? Because here's what I want to go next. Where I want to go next is uh, in the book of Mark. There in the very first chapter, it says, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, pay attention to this, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved son. With you, I am well, what? I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased. God promises in the Old Testament, I'm going to accept you. I'm going to accept you. When will you know that? Whenever I manifest my holiness among you. And here in uh, Mark chapter 1, we see the heavens torn open and we see God himself, the Father, speaking of his Son. And the Spirit descends on him like a dove and he says, with you, Jesus, I'm well pleased. And that's how we can know that we have approval. That's how we can know that we have assurance of acceptance with God. I might not have done the math there. I may not have drawn a perfect, let's do that work real fast. Approval seeking and approval receiving is all about the one that you are pleasing. Who is Jesus pleasing? Is he pleasing man? He's pleasing the Father. Jesus perfectly pleases the Father when we couldn't, when we didn't, when we can't, when we won't. He's the one that gets to do it. He's the only one that can do it. I wonder if in the first part of this sermon, you're just like, man, that's all I've ever wanted. All I ever wanted is to please God. But here, the gospel is you can't do it. There's only one who can. His name is Jesus, and the Father tore the heavens open and spoke and said, He's the one who pleases me. 
He's the one who pleases me. With him, I am well pleased. The father is displeased with our sin. But Jesus takes all of that wrath of the uh, father's displeasure at our sin. But then Jesus on the cross, when he's taking all of that displeasure that God has with our sin, what is he doing in return with us? He's giving us all of the Father's approval, all of the Father's acceptance. Do, do you understand that the gospel is not just that you give Jesus all of your sins, but that he gives you something in return? He gives you all of his perfect righteousness. When God the Father tears the heavens open and says, I'm pleased with my son, Jesus has something to give you. And it's the pleasure of God the Father. And he gives it to you. I wonder if you can hear that this morning. I wonder if your heart hasn't been so callous by decades of people pleasing that you can hear this morning that the Father is perfectly pleased with you. That, that vicariously through what happened on the cross and our justification that happened there, that when God the Father looks at you, he says, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. This is my daughter with whom I'm well pleased. Do you know that you have the pleasure of the Father? Do you know that you have the enduring, everlasting, endless pleasure of the Father? You don't need it from man. You needed it from God, but he was very displeased with the sin. And Jesus does all that he can. He comes across the cosmos for you, and he gives you the pleasure of the Father at the cross. God the Father is pleased with you. God the Father is pleased with you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to do anything to get it. Jesus has already done it for you. In the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the one that Paul preached, the one that Paul received in that gospel, in Jesus' gospel, we have perfect approval. So you can understand the approval of man, but what I really want you to walk out of here this morning with and what I want you to own is a gospel approval. One that you receive. You didn't earn it. You have it. It's yours forever. And lastly, what I want for us to get out of this is the pursuit of pleasure. That might sound like a really strange thing to, uh, to talk about this morning. You're like, where is that in the text? What is the word that we've been using from the Old Testament to the New this morning? It's been ple pleasing. How can you live a life of godly pleasure? I want to tell you. Verse 10. For am I now seeking man or God? Who am I seeking to please? Paul asks. Proverbs 29 verse 25 says this. The fear of man lays a snare. Do you know what a snare is? It's a trap. The fear of man lays a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. So you've got a trap that you can be walking into, or you can have complete and total safety. One comes from fear of the man, the other one comes from faith in the Lord. 
I wonder which life you want to choose this morning. I wonder if your personal, just like your personal life can confirm that fearing man lays a snare for you. I wonder if just you hear that and you go, I know that it does. I live it every day. I feel like I live in the trap. Fear of man is dangerous. It's a dangerous snare, a dangerous trap. Why? I want to get specific about this. Because if you're out there trying to get man's approval, there's three things that that approval is going to be. It's either going to be fleeting. You can work all that you want to to make sure that everybody that you work with just loves you. But you're one slip up away from somebody saying one small thing and for everybody to turn their back on you. So even if you get man's approval, it can be fleeting. At the very least, if you're working for like a parent's approval, let's say that you have it. One day they're going to die. I wonder where your approval is then. If the person that you've always worked for their approval is lying in a casket, what good is it for you? Gotten approval is fleeting if it's getting it from man. Ill-gotten approval is a lie. What do I mean by that? So many of us, I'll include myself in this, have like spun up stories about ourselves and we've given fire to the things that like make us look really good. We've uh, lied on resumes. We've uh, told the same story so many times that it seems almost as if it's true just so that we can get people's approval, but it's a lie. Man, ill-gotten approval is a lie. That's not going to satisfy you. It's a trap. It's a snare. Ungotten approval will leave you a shell of a person. If you're just working, 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 I need this person's approval, I need these people's approval, and you never get it, you never come by it, you're going to leave, like just live an empty life. Fear of man is dangerous. It's such a trap for you. But whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. There's no trap. There's only security. There's only love. Christ's gotten approval for you never fails. The Father is pleased in Christ, and his approval is an everlasting approval. It is completely trustworthy, and it is an endless pleasure because it will never fail you. I wonder which life you want to live, the one that leads to danger, trap, snare, or the one who is forever approval. The, the life that leads to forever pleasure because you're just enveloped by and experiencing the love of God forever. We're told this in Philippians, and this is where I'm going to close. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling unto the Lord, to the will, to the work of his good pleasure. That's what Philippians says. You want to lead a life of pleasure? Man, here's all that you need to know. Approval seeking and approval receiving is all about the one that you're pleasing. And in the midst of that, you get a really good litmus test for what it is that you're using your life for and where your life is going. You get a really good one. Who are you trying to please? Think about it. Talk with your discipleship group about it this week. If you're seeking the approval of man, then you will fear them. You will waste away as you do everything you can to please others. Your days will be filled with anxiety and bitterness as you never get enough. 
but if you want God's approval, if you want the Father's approval, all you have to do is receive it in Jesus Christ and live a life of complete pleasure. Let's pray. God, you are worthy of all of our affection. You are worthy, just as uh, Philippians says, of all our pleasing will and work. And what we want to do this morning is just take a moment to confess to you that we spend too much of our time and too much of our effort trying to please and gain the approval of others. In thousands of ways, we serve our own insecurities by trying to secure our worth through others. And rather than fearing you, God, the one true God, we fear man and we live pleasureless lives. Father, help us to cast out our anxieties on Jesus, knowing that he cares for us, that in him we have your perfect approval. Help us to set our minds on the things that are above and not on the things that are here on earth. Father, I pray all of this in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.